and welcome to another episode of Untraditionally Traditional, a podcast with me, Brittany Duncan, a millennial homemaker. Join me each week as I share all the things I've learned that make keeping your home, garden, and life running smoothly all while working. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so you get the episodes downloaded straight to you every Monday. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Untraditionally Traditional, a millennial homemaker podcast. This is your host, Brittany Duncan, and today we're going to be talking about creating a workspace at home, which was a request from a lovely listener, Brady. Thank you, Brady, for your recommendation. Anytime y'all have topics that you would like covered here on the podcast, please feel welcome to message me through Instagram or Facebook. You can find that page under the handle untraditionally traditional pod. That's P-O-D. I also want to thank another amazing listener for leaving an Apple review. If y'all are enjoying the podcast and you want to give back in some way, leaving a five-star rating and a written review on Apple is the best gift that you can give to a podcaster. So thank you to the listener who said, I love these tips. Finally, there is a podcast that doesn't drag you through 45 minutes of rambling. This podcast is organized, focused, and thoughtful. No fluff here. Great work. Thank you for that. Super sweet. I do try to keep the episodes concise and to the point because I know that just like me, you have a long to-do list and limited time. So without further ado, let's talk about workspaces at home. More common than ever, yet still poorly executed. It took me three and a half years of working from home before I started taking my workspace seriously. Yes, I was working from home before it became the norm. And for those three and a half years, my desk was a kitchen table, eventually a secretary desk, the sofa sometimes. And mainly for those three and a half years, I used a dining room chair. For the love, if you don't do anything else from this episode, get yourself a proper chair designed with ergonomics in mind. A friend of mine, Stephanie Botts, is an ergonomics coach for dental professionals specifically, but after having serious shoulder pain that required months and months of physical therapy, all sorts of scans and x-rays, injections and medications, I decided to reach out to her for help. Steph pointed me to a few different ergonomic options for chairs, and the one I ordered I absolutely love. I'll drop the link in the show notes in case you happen to need a chair and want to consider this one. It's from a company called Branch Furniture, and it's their ergonomics chair. My shoulder pain has been reduced by 90% from this switch alone. Do not underestimate the power of poor ergonomics and the effect that it has on your body. It catches up with you, and in the long run, the medical bills are way more expensive than buying the chair. Speaking from experience here, so... Do your body a favor, get a proper ergonomic setup. Along that same vein, I ordered an electric adjustable standing desk. And if I'm being 100% candid, which I always try to be with y'all, I'm not sure that I would buy it again. It's a really great big workspace, which I love. But honestly, I don't put it into standing mode that often, which I only have myself to blame. But The way my brain works, if I'm trying to read something or type, I have a hard time focusing when I'm standing. So really where I use it in standing mode is for meetings, which I do need to do more often, especially if it's a meeting where I'm just listening. And really, if you're presenting something, you enunciate better and you project better if you are standing. So 
and I don't even have that excuse. I need to be standing for my meetings. The big thing I don't like about the desk is the style. It's modern. It's simple, but it's modern. And y'all know that I love my antiques, so this desk just goes against every style I love. But it's a tool, and that is how we need to view the furniture that's in our workspace specifically. If it looks pretty and it's vintage and it's gorgeous, but you're hunched over and your back is breaking, it's not worth it. So style, let's talk about that. Your workspace should reflect your style outside of the furniture. That's how I'm starting to blend this and I'm still figuring it out, but that's how I want us to look at the style. I am more creative and happy, a bit of caution with this though, keep it simple. Reflect on your style, yes, but keep it simple. Like my podcast, no fluff. Fluff is distracting and can be overwhelming in the workspace. On my actual desk, I have a stack of books that I like to reference for design and creative spark. I have a small catch-all that contains everything I might want while I'm at my desk. Think chapstick, hand lotion, lozenges, lipstick, facial mist, a nail file. Having these things in hand's reach stops me from getting up from my desk and being distracted. Y'all know how that goes. You get up to get hand lotion from the bathroom and you notice that you need to wash the bath towels. So you take them to the laundry room and then you realize there's laundry in the dryer. So you fold it and you put it away. But while you're in your closet, you remember the shoes you wanted to order are on a sale that's ending and you don't want to miss it. So then you get sucked into online shopping and before you know it, an hour and a half has flown by and your hands are still dry. Keeping those items that you might need handy is going to save you from that distraction. Your workspace is your workspace. I do two things at my desk, work and record podcasts. That's it. If I'm painting or crafting, I don't do it at my desk in my office. If I'm reading for pleasure, I don't do it in my office. You get the idea. Your office is your space for work. So let's talk about eating at your desk. I'd be lying if I said I always take a lunch break free of work. Fact is, sometimes I run to the kitchen, I microwave leftovers, and I head straight back to my office where I take bites between typing paragraphs. This blends that line of the workspace. It creates a habit of putting your personal needs aside for work, and it's a slippery slope, folks. If you have a hard time setting personal boundaries, you can very easily find yourself eating your breakfast, lunch, and dinner from your desk. Again, I've been there and it's a lot easier to get ahead of this habit than it is to break it. With working from home, you need to have breaks. I find that two snack breaks and a lunch break are easy times to get up from your desk. In the warmer months, I actually take three to four what I call sunshine breaks throughout the day. I simply get up from my desk. I leave my cell phone on my desk so I'm not distracted by it. And I go outside and I stand on the deck. I do some light stretching, some deep breathing, and let the sun soak into my skin. It wakes me up, shakes the cobwebs off my brain, and sparks creativity again. Honestly, I bet going outside in the snow in the winter and taking some deep breaths of cold air would have the same effect. So what if you don't have an office because you live in a smaller home, maybe a single bedroom apartment or a studio apartment. I've been there. I remember when Johnson and I were in a single bedroom apartment and I was working from home. And I've got lots of coworkers who live in studio apartments. So how do we separate work from personal life when your workspace is also where you do eat dinner and play board games? 
first and foremost is that you need a way to transition the space literally, but also in your head. If you are using your kitchen table, remove the placemats, the napkins, the decorations, and create that blank slate for the workday. Take your lunch break outside or at a different table from what is now your desk. Your kitchen table? No longer your kitchen table. That's your desk because you've made it your workspace. When you finish the workday, put all of your stuff, papers, files, computer, pens, into a box and store it away until the next workday. This opening of the box symbolizes the start of the workday. Storing everything back in the box signifies the end of the workday. Your bills, your mail, keep those in a separate place. Do not tempt yourself to take care of personal work during the work time. This is your workspace. Think of it as your office. If you have space for it somewhere in your apartment or home, a secretary desk is an amazing piece of furniture. Being able to open and close a workstation in your living room or guest bedroom, wherever, is very helpful for separating personal life from business. A room divider can also be really helpful because it, it creates a nook for yourself with the divider. And then you can fold it up when you're done for the day. If you have a closet that isn't being used, well, place your desk into the closet or empty space under the staircase. Whatever those unused places in your home are, ask yourself if there's a way to make them into an office. I think we've got this view that an office needs to be a separate room with a big old desk and, you know, the two chairs sitting in front of it. And uh, believe me, I have gone through Pinterest and seen all the gorgeous, beautiful desks. And when you really look at them, they are not practical. There's no plugs near these desks. There's no, no way you would actually work from these stations. They're just really pretty. That's not reality, okay? We need to be realistic about what we need, and set it up so that we can do our work and be happy about it. Okay, let's move on to storage. If you have a laptop, you shouldn't be storing anything. I'm kidding, but I'm only half kidding. Paper is the enemy of organization. Personally, I have tried to limit as much paper from my office as possible. Everything I do, I do with my computer or my remarkable notepad. Essentially, um, it's kind of like a sketch it, but you don't shake it to remove the, uh, the drawing or the notes. But it, it has tons of space where I can upload PDFs to it. I can mark them up and I can also just have like a running notepad, which is really helpful without actually creating paper. Before I started using this remarkable notepad, I was the queen of post-it notes. Oh my gosh, I would go through them like no one's business. I'd have tons of them crumpled up on my desk. I'd have them stuck everywhere until I switched to this paperless model. Not only does it save me from losing important information, but it stops me from storing useless information in physical form. I do not need my chicken scratch edition that I was doing to double check the rates on a proposal. But it's so easy if you're keeping that in physical form just to tuck it in a stack of papers and forget about it. Now, I understand that depending on your job, paper may be necessary. If this applies to you, I recommend implementing a folder system. Have sections for current, pending, and file. Current is where you store paper for projects that you're currently working on. Once you send them in for review, you're going to move that file into the pending section. Once that project is closed, you can then scan the materials and ditch the paper 
or if you have to keep a hard copy, move that folder to a filing system with a date on the label. I encourage you to create your own retention schedule if you need to store paper. I think three months is a great time, period. Every three months, every quarter, go through your files and ditch any that are no longer relevant. If your company has a longer retention schedule, I've worked places where you need to keep work product for at least five years in physical form, ask if they would be willing to send you a shipping label for folders once a quarter where you can send in files for extended storage since you do work from home. Paper is clutter and any clutter that does not serve a purpose or spark joy should be removed, especially from your work areas. For those items that you do want to store, Think about going vertical. Shelving can be great for storage and you're keeping it out of your eyesight when you're sitting at your desk. If you have shelves, use those magazine file folders. They do a great job for storing files or papers. And when you have the flat side facing you, it's a really polished, organized look. Last but not least is to give yourself a break every now and then. When I'm in a funk and I can't seem to focus, sometimes I'll change my scenery. I do occasionally work from my kitchen island or our sofa, or more often, I will go to a coffee shop that's near our house and I tell myself I am not allowed to leave the coffee shop until I finish XYZ. Unfortunately for me, this only works on days that I don't have calls because personally I feel unprofessional taking business calls from public spaces, but that's just me. The long and short is that you need to do what works for you. Everybody's job is different, they've got different requirements, and people have different work styles. Simplifying is important, as is separating work from personal life. I cannot stress that enough. I am through with glamorizing the grind. I'm an extremely hard worker. I pride myself on my work. I have a full-time job, and like so many of us, I have a side hustle. Actually, I've got a second side hustle in the works that I hope to be able to talk about on here soon. Being a hard worker is fantastic. Recognizing you're a hard worker is great. Making that part of your identity isn't great. And putting work in or ahead of your personal life is problematic. It may not be a problem yet, but you've started a clock and eventually it will be a problem. Set boundaries with your work hours and with your workspace. Jessica Moore said, our boundaries define our personal space and we need to be sovereign there in order to be able to step into our full potential and power. This works both ways. Set boundaries for your workspace that define your work life. The boundaries you set for your personal life keep your work life, your work life, and your personal life, your personal life, and allow both to thrive to their full potential and power. Until next week, have a great week, everybody. On next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about hosting, specifically for Thanksgiving, because this year Johnson and I are hosting. Uh, But many of the tips that I'm going to share on that episode will apply to any time you host. So join me back here next Monday. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Untraditionally Traditional. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with those special people who would love it too and write a review. For more tips and photos of my home and garden, follow Untraditionally Traditional Pod on Instagram. Until next week, let's continue to make our homes places of joy and service to ourselves and those we share them with.